Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That just overwhelmed me when we sang that again. Just no condemnation. And knowing what do we deserve from the Lord because of our lives and, and how we've lived in light of the sin nature that we were born with. No condemnation. Well, it's a privilege to be up here and be able to preach to you that gospel, right? That, that good news that God has given us. And I want to say to you today that the good news is better than you think. It really is. The good news is way better than you think. I want to welcome those who are joining us online as well as those who are listening on the podcast and and we're always glad to have you. And, and uh, wouldn't it be awesome if, if all the people, we have people all around the world who are, uh, you know, they listen to the podcast, that happens, and some places around the world, the video too. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome if all of a sudden one day we were able to have them all here? Right, wouldn't that be good? They would get to experience what we experience here? Right, that would be awesome. So the good news is better than you think. When we think about the good news, you know, we're talking about um, um, the gospel, right? That's what the word gospel means, the good news. And um, we get the good news, right? We think of the gospel, we think about the fact that we've all sinned against the holy God and we've you know, trusted in Jesus, Savior, he died for our sins, rose again. And as we receive Christ as Savior, he forgives how many sins? All sins, every sin. Is the one you already committed? The sins you've already committed? How about the ones you are yet to commit? Yes, now that doesn't mean we go out and say, oh great, I got a ticket to sin, because I guarantee you, if you have generally received Christ as Savior, that's not what your heart is. It's not to go do that. But he died for all of our sins, every one of them. That's the good news, and so uh, when this life is over, we don't have to pay for our sins in eternity in hell. We get to go to heaven to be with the Lord. Uh, to be part of all that he's going to do when he sets up his kingdom on earth and then the everlasting kingdom. We've got to be a part of all those things. Uh, and then we know that the moment we receive Christ, that, that he moves in, God himself moves in, his Holy Spirit, and uh, makes us new deep down inside and goes to work on changing us from the inside out. And so when we think of the gospel, we think of those kinds of things. And boy, that is absolutely right. It's so important. Okay? That's the starting place for everything else in your Christian life. But the good news is better than that. It goes beyond that. Because God likes you. <laughs> he loves you, and we, we, we use the word, he loves you, but I want you he likes you. It's like the man one time, I remember watching this guy who was a counselor talking about a husband he was talking to, and he says, well, does your wife love you? And he says, absolutely. Well, does she like you? No. <laughs> we understand that, right? God, well, yeah, God loves me. I get that. Yeah, yeah, but no. God likes you. He's interested in you. In fact, he has your picture on his refrigerator. I don't know if he has a refrigerator or not, but if he did, <laughs> your picture would be on it. It's interesting, you know, watching us that used to be our kids, but now it's our grandkids, you know, and every now and then they'll send grandma something, or when they're there, they'll do some artwork, and I look at it and go, wow. <laughs> the grandma takes it and does, puts it up on the refrigerator, and she, de she delights in those kids. I do too. <laughs> 
but she delights in them. She's always looking for ways to connect with them and invest in their lives and spend time with them. If I say to you, God delights in you, does that feel right? But he does. He delights in you. And so today, as we're gonna, we look at the word of God here, uh, so many times we're, we're really focusing in on, you know, man, this area of our lives, you know, we gotta get it right, and that area, this is different than the culture around us, and you gotta get that right, and that's all true. Like last week we had that, right? Talking about sexual morality and this high level of standard that God has. And really, but in Proverbs chapter 12, what we're gonna look at is just gonna encourage you about how God works in your life and what he does. Let me uh, read to you from Psalm chapter five before we get to there. Oh man, I'd like to read the whole thing to you, but I probably shouldn't. What do you think? You guys okay with that? All right. So listen, here's, here's David, he's writing this. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord, Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their, their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb and they flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels and cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. With favor, you will surround him God's man, God's woman, the righteous with favor, he will surround us. And, and this is what I'm talking about, you know, when we as grandparents show, have, show favor to our grandchildren, right? And that word favor that's used in our Bible, it translates several things. One sense, it's a graciousness or a kindness. You remember when the Bible talks about the wickedness of man was great on the earth, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, right? Same word. You could translate it, and a lot of Bibles do translate it, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It, it means, so goodness, graciousness, kindness. Uh, it means delighting. God will delight 
in the righteous. Do you see how the good news maybe is better than you thought? He doesn't just save you. He doesn't just forgive your sins and, and take you from hell, although if that's all he ever did, would that be amazing? Yeah, but he does so much more for the righteous. He shows favor to them. And so in Proverbs chapter 12, what we're going to see there, we could look at all the place, ways and places in the Bible to try to do that, that God shows favor. But in Proverbs chapter 12, there are four ways that he tells us he shows favor on the righteous. Now, before we actually start looking, at, well, let's look, at, let's do look at it. Proverbs chapter 12, and that's on page 737 that's in the Bible that's in the chairs there. We'd encourage you to follow along with us. Verse number two. It says, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. But a good man, a good woman, a good person obtains favor from the Lord. And so this word good is the same word that's translated righteous other places. Sometimes it's translated just, righteous, good, okay? So what are we talking about here when we talk about who God is showing his favor to? Showing his favor to the righteous. Well, there's two things, I think, about being righteous. The righteous are those who have, first of all, received Christ as Savior, okay? Uh, the Bible says that uh, God traded his righteousness for our sin, right? Well, that's a... That one doesn't make sense on a human perspective, but it makes sense from God's perspective, that he took our sin upon him and then he gave us his righteousness. So that moment that we are saved, okay, when we realize that we've sinned against the holy God and, and we believe Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead and we place our faith in him to be our savior, to, for, to provide the forgiveness of sins, all that he did for us on the cross that, that, that would apply to us and we receive him as savior. The Bible says we become righteous people at that moment, okay? Now, is that because we have always been righteous? Is that the righteousness that we're bringing to the table? No, Isaiah at one point talks about all of our righteousness, all our natural righteousness as filthy rags. No, no, it's the righteousness that he has given us. But we are righteous, he has declared us so. Our, his righteousness has been put on our account. Such, such good news. So, um, what I want you to do right now is I want you to, to turn to somebody and say, I'm righteous. Go ahead, say it. I'm righteous. Now, was that a strange thing to say? You're saying, listen, I'm telling you I'm right. Pastor Walt said it. Now, listen to me. No, I'm righteous. I am righteous. Um, but that doesn't mean everything I do in my life is righteous. Because we start off as sinners, don't we? We start off as sinners doing our own thing, disobeying God, going our own way, being self-centered, selfish, and on and on the list goes. We could list the list of things. That's where we started, but he declares us righteous and then we begin to learn how to live like a righteous person, okay? So turn to somebody else you didn't talk to and say, I'm learning to live like a righteous person, would you? Go ahead. All right. So, here you are. You're a righteous person. God has declared you righteous. But when he's talking about the righteous here and those that God shows favor and those that God works in their lives, and by the way, once you get saved, God does begin to show us favor. But there's, there's another step to this, and that's that those who follow Christ as Lord. 
Okay, they're righteous. In other words, we're not talking about being perfect. We've already identified that we aren't. We've already identified that we mess up along the way. Okay, but here we are. We're, we're, we're growing and we're learning to live like a righteous person more and more. And why? Because we've, we've not only received Christ as Savior, we received him as Lord. He is Lord. And so we acknowledge that he is the one I need to live for. He's the one I need to obey. He's the one whose principles I need to live by. He's the one I need to submit myself and surrender to. And yeah, do we get that perfect? No, but we keep working at it, right? Because we've yielded ourselves to him. So the righteous that we're talking about in the Bible here uh, that God shows favor to are those who have received Christ as Savior, been declared righteous, and then who have also surrendered to him as Lord, seeking to live your life the way he says, living righteously. And so this is who he's talking about. And, And how many decisions away from being this righteous person are you? Well, the most you could be here today would be two, right? If you've never received Christ as Savior, you're two decisions away from being the righteous person. One is to open your heart up and receive Christ as Savior, and the second is to say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna live for you. I'm a mess, and you're gonna have to work hard on me, but by your grace, I'm gonna live for you. Two decisions. Most of you here today are one decision away, or you're already living that way, okay? So don't think, oh, this is about somebody else. It's not me. It can be you. All right, so Proverbs chapter 12. And we're just going to go through just a few of the verses here, four things, four verses, actually, uh, key verses, and we'll look at a bunch of other verses as well. Chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, a man is not established by wickedness. And established is this idea of made stable, sound, whole, Firm. Wickedness doesn't do that for you. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. The root. And it's talking about what our lives as the righteous is based on. Right? Well, think about a tree, right? A tree does what? As roots, right, that go down deep and go down wide. And it enables that tree, you know, to stand firm. I mean, it blows, but it doesn't, you know, most of the time it doesn't go down, right? Unless there's other problems. And so he talks about that the root of the righteous cannot be moved. Now, it can't be that our roots are in something of this world or in our own abilities or in our relationships with other people. This root has to be God, doesn't it? Okay, and so here's the first way out in in Proverbs chapter 12 that we see God shows favor to the righteous. He causes their roots to grow deep in him. Okay, he does. He causes their roots to grow deep in him. Look, in Jeremiah, uh, I don't remember the passage, but let's look at the verse there. Jeremiah says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. We're talking about the righteous person, right? That's how we live. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Now just stop right there. This idea of planted doesn't mean it accidentally grew up there. It means it's planted there on purpose. Okay? That's what that word means. Planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. Go ahead. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And so it is that when we put our 
our roots down deep in the Lord as we live like righteous people. He enables our roots to grow deep in him. So, so when the uh, life gets tough, you can still grow. I mean, I, I'm amazed that I look at, um, sometimes back in the Midwest, it gets real hot and real dry uh, where I grew up. But what the amazing thing is, all the fields would be brown. People's lawns would all be brown. And they'd be brown. And then there's these amazing big green trees. How is that possible? It's because their roots have done what? Gone down deep. And, and so God tells us the same thing. When we, we are righteous, he shows us his favor by enabling our roots to go down deep in him. So that when all the world around us is messed up, we have what we need. So here's a couple of things. Let's look in, in fact, let's look in verse number seven. It says this, the wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. So this idea of when our roots go deep down in him, God, uh, we will be stable in life's upheavals. Does life ever get up, an upheaval on you? <laughs> Does it ever go where the next step you're going to take all of a sudden doesn't seem like it's there? Right? Lots of upheaval. But when your roots go down deep in the Lord, and this is his favor that he shows us to, as, as we, we know him as Savior, we're, we're seeking to live in his Lord, he, he enables our roots to go down deep, and then he makes us stable in life's upheavals. Look what Jesus talks about, uh, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Has life ever beat on your house? Has it? One thing after another after another doesn't let up. That's the way life is sometimes. And beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Founded on Christ, our roots are where? Deep in him. He has shown his favor. Now, not only will the, the righteous uh, be stable in life's upheaval, they will also have sustenance for their souls. You have what you need. Look at what the scripture says. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, and, and don't go on yet here with this verse, with, what is the width and length and depth and height. So being rooted in what? Our roots go down deep in God's love. Once again, that's one of those words that just kind of, yeah, okay, we get it. But I want you to think about it. Does this world love you? This world will use you, right? This world wants to own you. It does not love you because love is acting in your best interests. And it doesn't. Many people in the world, even if they try to be good people, they don't love you like this. But when you are, you know, you know him and you're trying to live for him. You're, he puts your roots down deep in him and, and what comes up is love. The love of God inside of you that when nobody else seems to care, God absolutely loves you and it sustains you. 
You know, like I said, it can be chaos around you, it can be anger around you, despair around you, but in your soul you can be okay, you can have the peace of God, you know the, the love of God, so let's continue, that you might know the width and length and depth and height, go on, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that God has for you when your roots go deep, down deep in him, God provides everything that you need. And not just barely enough, more than enough. What, what, I mean, if you were, if, if, you know, you talked to, <laughs> things are coming to my mind. So, and you've heard it, right? You've heard some people, you, you listen to someone and someone else say, yeah, he's full of it. <laughs> That's a negative side. But on the positive side, someone could also look at your life and say, wow, he's full of God, filled up with God. And we can be that way. So this is one of the ways that he shows us his grace, shows us his favor. All right, let's go to verse number five. It says, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Even their wisdom of the wicked are, are deceitful, they lead you astray, but the thoughts of the righteous are right. And so here's the second way God shows favor to the righteous. He enables them to think the right way about life. He enables them to think the right way about life. Um, do you know anybody who doesn't think right about life? Sometimes we find ourselves struggling with it, right? but God works in our lives. But yeah, there is a big difference in looking at the world like a Christian from a biblical worldview. And when we are, you know, live righteously, God enables us to see those things and to do those things. The unsaved cannot do that. Doesn't mean the unsaved can't get some things right, but they cannot see it the way you do as a Christian, okay? Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians and he says this, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. Now, people who aren't spiritual would first and foremost mean they aren't saved. They don't have the spirit of God in them. And secondly, I think we go on and say that it's also those who are yielded to God, you know, trying to follow him, that, the, that we become more in tune with the spirit, more filled with the spirit. But the people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. We understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Let's talk about that. What does Jesus know? Really, I'm asking you, what's he know? Everything, right? It can sound like a throwaway statement. We don't mean it that way. He really knows everything, doesn't he? He knows everything about everything. He knows everything about everything about everything. Okay, he, he knows. And, and he always gets it right. He knows what's best and right. He knows how to look at a situation. Um, and that's what's available to us. The mind of Christ is available to us when we are spiritual people, when we are living righteously. That's, is that favor from God? I mean, couldn't God still be good and right and, and just and, and never help us out now? Could he? Think about this. Did you deserve to be saved? He sent his only son to save you, that sacrifice, the, the worst. I'll talk about that in a minute. 
uh, he, he's done that. If he never did another thing for us, he's done for us way more than we deserve. But so this idea of being able to understand the truth and the spirit of God to, to help us to see and understand is huge. It's, it's his favor that he shows to us. And we ought to be thankful for that. When we find ourselves looking at something and seeing it from God's perspective or seeing how the word applies to, wow, thank you, God, that I'm not blind here. Romans chapter 12, we're challenged about this. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God change your mind. How do you let God change your mind? Well, you've received Christ as Savior, and you're trying to follow him. And, and so what are you going to do when you're following him? You're going to be what? In his word. You're going to be reading it and thinking about it and talking to God about it. You're going to be coming to church and, and being, having preached to you and taught to you. You're going to fellowship with other Christians and the word of God will come up, right? And you'll talk about it in practical life issues. Get in a life group, you talk about it there. And, and so uh, all of these ways, God enables us to think the right way about life. And the good thing is, is that will enable us to figure out what we're supposed to do, right? This is what you will, you will learn to know God's will for you. What does God want me to do? Well, he tells me a lot in his word. Okay, what does that mean in this situation? God, what do you want me to do? And he says, as we let God change our minds, we, you know, we've, we're following him and he's showing his favor, changing our minds, that we will be able to get it right. And, and not perfect, okay, but get it right. And when we do, how does he describe that life? It's good and pleasing and perfect takes us to the right places, okay? All right, let's go back to Scripture and look at verse number 10. It says, oh, how about I look in the right chapter? A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Say, okay, well, what does this have to do with anything? The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Even when the wicked are trying to show their mercy, it's still self-centered. It's still, they have ulterior motives. It's, it's not a positive thing. But the, um, a righteous man regards the life of his animal. Is it pretty natural for people to kind of care about the people that they're close to in their lives? Pretty natural, even the unsaved tend to care about that. Is it, is it natural for people to care about people who really they don't have anything to do with, but they're out there, is it natural? Not so natural, that's more of a God thing, isn't it? Okay, how about, uh, is it natural for people to care about people who don't like you? It's not natural, but it's a God thing. How about, is it, is it natural to care about people who hate you and want to do away with you? No, it's not, that's a, a God thing. So uh, we go even farther and say, okay, how about, not only do we care about all people, but we care about even animals. We're talking about someone with a very soft heart, aren't we? A soft heart. And so one of the ways God shows favor to the righteous is he softens their heart in good ways. He softens their heart. Um, 
Yeah, let's, let's just look at a couple of scriptures related to that. Second Corinthians says, but thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. And what Paul is saying here is, you know, I care for you, Corinthians. I, I've cared for you. I've invested my life in you. I'm concerned about you. Titus is too. Guess where that came from? Why is it that Titus is caring about you the same way? Because why? What's it say? God put it in his heart. See, that's the favor of God. That's what he does for us. He puts care in our hearts, softens our hearts for other people. Now, I'm going to make a pretty strong statement here. Whenever you see a Christian demonstrating, speaking with a hard heart, that's not from God. And I don't know about you, I struggle with this because I struggle with, uh, on social media sometimes and I, I struggle with this. Okay, I've got to respond to this. <laughs> Anybody besides me? And, and I'm, I'm not, sometimes I can have a hard heart, but I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is more when I, when I see Christians communicate a hardness about other people because this issue is so important and I could care less how what I'm saying is affecting that person and that person and that person. Even though that person might be wrong and that person might be doing something that's wrong and that person over here is actually working to make me, try to make me agree with their wrong. All that kind of stuff. But man, when it comes time to address that, I ought to be addressing that with a heart that's broken for those people. Not bang. You with me on that? When it comes to judging other people, are there, are there other Christians out there who... Um, who believe things that aren't right. Are there? Sure there are. And, and sometimes we need to talk about that. We need to talk about what the Bible says about something. What's being said here really isn't right. But man, what kind of heart ought that come from? By the time we are saying we need to talk about a brother or a sister in Christ, where, where should our hearts be? To whack them? Oh, it ought to be broken for them. See, I, I think that we need to speak the truth in love with tears in our eyes and brokenness in our hearts for people because Jesus died for every one of them, loves every one of them. And who in the world am I to just write them off? And is, is this, are there truths in the word of God? There are things that are right, things that are wrong. And we need to hold tight to those things and we need to speak the truth, but we need to do it in love, right? And so, so God, his favor, when we are you know, walking with him, he, he softens our hearts. He softens our hearts in, in good ways. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians, he says this, now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Okay, again, the Lord directing our hearts in the right direction. James, he says this, but if you have bitter envy, and self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and, and lie against the truth. And so that's what I'm trying to say to you, that if we have bitterness in our hearts, harshness in our hearts, uh, anger in our hearts, that's not from God. That's not the result of God's favor. I don't care how insightful you think you are. Okay? So we need God to soften our hearts, and he will as we walk with him. 
Finally, 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Okay, and, and as we walk with the Lord, He shows us His favor by giving us that love. That, that we then take the favor of His love and bestow it on other people. All right, let's go to verse number 21. It says, no grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. Okay, the wicked are going to have all sorts of problems with evil, but no grave trouble will overtake the righteous. Now, you might say, okay, Walt, wait a minute. I got a problem with this one. Don't troubles come to the righteous? Anybody wake up with sore joints today, stiff joints? Um, does cancer come to righteous people? Car accidents come to righteous people? Yeah, I mean, all sorts of things happen to righteous people. So what is he talking about here? Well, let's, let's look at the words, make sure we're understanding what is being said. Key words here. He says, first of all, no grave trouble. No grave trouble. And grave is an adjective that means threatening a seriously bad outcome. In other words, the outcome of this is just bad. Okay, that's all it is, grave trouble. The outcome is just bad, all right? Now the word trouble comes from a Hebrew word um, that means trouble or evil in the sense of exerting oneself in vain or come to kind of nothing. It's trouble or evil that is uh, meaningless or a waste. That's what that word trouble means. So he says, no trouble, no, no grave trouble, but no trouble. In other words, these bad things that come into your life when he says, no trouble will come this way, the bad things will never be meaningless for you. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So let's, let's look at the last thing. He says, shall overtake you, that last word. And overtake you means to come suddenly or unexpectedly upon, like, wow, nobody knew this was coming. Well. That's sometimes nobody knew this was coming. That's true until you think of who? God. He knew it was coming. He's allowed it. And so here's what I want you to understand. When he says, no grave trouble shall overcome the wicked, what he's saying is that, that God does not allow troubles. Did I say the wicked? The righteousness, sorry. He doesn't allow troubles to come into their lives that cannot be used for their good. Does God allow trouble to come into our lives? Yes. Does he allow trouble to come into our lives that the end result is only going to be bad? That's not a trick question. <laughs> no, what? No grave trouble shall overtake the righteous. It's not, never going to be something that's just bad. It's not going to be something that's going to be wasted or meaningless. And it's not going to be something that God is surprised by. All right. So that means that anything that happens in your life, God can take it and use it for good. And anything in your life that cannot be used for good, that would be meaningless or wasted, that would just be a bad outcome, he does not allow to happen. Okay? So that is good news. He doesn't stop the bad things from coming into our lives. But when that bad thing comes into your life, what can you know for sure? 
This did not take God by surprise. He has allowed it to occur. That means that he can bring good out of this in some way. Now, let me tell you the bad news. The bad news is you may not know in this life what that good was. We don't always get to know those things, do we? But you can know whether I see it or not. God has good purposes in allowing this. Now, is that, if, if you're struggling with that concept, it may be because I haven't communicated it clearly enough because it really ought to encourage you. But if you have questions about that, please talk with me afterwards. Uh, I want to help make sure you understand this. Galatians, or no, Genesis chapter 50. Joseph, who has been sold into slavery by his brothers, who has been uh, betrayed by his boss's wife and sent to jail, who has been forgotten in jail by someone who promised not to forget him. And on and on the story goes. God eventually raises him up, makes him second in command in Egypt by his miraculous working. But his brothers come and meet him, the ones who sold him into slavery, and they're all, oh boy, are we in trouble. Okay? But Joseph says this to them. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph ended up in a position to be able to save his family from the famine. But what this world needs for evil, God is going to bring good out of. Okay, let's go to the next scripture here. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the Apostle Paul talking in jail. And we think jail, we think jail, but back in those days, jail was not like today. It was not a good place. It wasn't a good situation to be in. So I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. All these bad things that have happened, helping to spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Go on. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So I rejoice. And so see, this is what can happen to us as, as the righteous and God showing us his favor that when those hard, hard things come into our lives, even things that we would say these are bad things that have come into our lives, I can still rejoice because I know God is at work accomplishing good and awesome things. And you think about this. Now you're in these bad things and your roots are down deep in the Lord. Now you're in these bad things and you're thinking right about them. Now you're in these bad things but your heart is not angry and hard, your heart is soft, soft towards God and soft towards people as you go through these things. In result, God brings good out of this bad thing. Are, are you with me on that? Now, does that mean we like bad things to happen? No, man, you give me a chance, I'm running. But we don't always get to choose, do we? It comes our way. Finally, the, our favorite verse when it comes to this concept you know what it is, right? And we know, read it with me, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to the righteous, to those who are the called according to his purpose. How many things? All things. All right, God shows us his favor in so many ways. All we've looked at is Romans, uh, is, uh, 
Proverbs chapter 12, these four ways. He causes their roots to grow deep in him. He enables them to think the right way about life. He softens their heart in good ways. And he doesn't allow troubles to come into their lives that cannot be used for their good. God's favor. The good news is better than you thought. And so much more. You read your Bible, you see more and more. But let me challenge you. You're right here at the end. In a little bit of a different context, but I think this is still fair to say. In Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talks about God, and he says, His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. And so whatever ways in your life today you find yourself not being where you ought to be, and I'm pretty sure everybody in here has one place or another in our lives where we aren't where we ought to be. Think about God's goodness to you. Think about his favor to you and the favor that he shows when you, you know, love him and follow him. And, and you know what? I think it makes sense to do what? To turn away from the sin and turn to him. Let his favor to you motivate you to that end. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great favor that you've shown us. And I, we've just touched the hem of the garment. Lord, I know that there's so much more that... Um, we haven't even talked about today. Thank you for it. Help us to see it and appreciate it, uh, to be grateful for it. And I do pray, Father, that would motivate us to continue to live righteously, to continue to grow in our righteousness, that we might experience your favor in even greater ways. I do pray, Father, for... Anyone here today who hasn't started that relationship, who hasn't received Christ as Savior, Father, I pray that if they understand right now, that they would just open their hearts to you right now and say, yes, Lord, I received Christ as Savior. And if they don't understand, Father, I pray that they would, would reach out and ask questions or keep coming and, and learn. And Father, help us to uh, live lives that do bring your favor. We want to honor and glorify you in that way. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Go enjoy a life of God's favor.